You, you can podcast uh, uh, Dane Cook. You can podcast anybody. And you can ascribe to certain things, and you can hear these things. You can even buy books, you know, uh, Microsoft for dummies. You can do all those kind of things. But this is going to, my prayer is that for us, this is going to be different. Because we're going to see that it is Jesus who is preaching this sermon. And there's a certain authority that He has that should change our lives. How we enter into uh, our relationships with those difficult employers and employees. How we, how we deal with our husband and our wife. Who when we were first dating, we thought they were just absolutely perfect and flawless. Until um, the honeymoon was over, which was really about day two. And you go, oh Lord, I didn't know they had that junk. How we deal with one another in the church. When there's different personalities. How do we live together? So let's follow along. This is before Jesus even gets to uh, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the setting it all up. So starting at verse 12 of chapter 4. Now when he had heard that John had been arrested, that would be John the Baptist, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way by of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And this is talking about? Okay. It's kind of a Sunday school answer. Jesus. Good, good. Talking about Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you Fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brothers, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, I love that, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those opposed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them.
Matthew, who was at one time known as Levi, who was the tax collector, the, the outcast, wanted to set up the stage for the sermon of all sermons. Because what was going to be coming out of Jesus' mouth was something different. Something that was going to just alter lives. Because Jesus was going to be, be sharing with the crowds, broken people. One, one of the Gospels described them uh, as sheep without a shepherd. He's going to be sharing with these broken, lost people. Sheep without a shepherd. A new kingdom ethic. A new way of living. A new way of interacting with one another. A new way of community and life. You see, Jesus was was sharing a different kind of kingdom. When we think of kingdoms, there's a certain kind of ruler and a way of doing things. And every other kingdom up to this point has been just a, a reshaping of the last one. Even in our, here in America, there's a certain kind of American kingdom that we have. If you go all the way back in our history, there's just been kind of a tweaking, a reshaping, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, even, even in our current administration. Yeah, there's some changes from the past couple of Republican uh, administrations, but you know what? In reality, all it is is just a tweaking. It's a little change. Let, let's change health care. Let's kind of look at how wealth is distributed. Let's look at how this is done. Let's look how that is done. And let's just tweak it a little bit. But what Jesus is doing is he is doing something different. Totally new. He's turning things, everything, upside down. For one, he starts with a certain kind of people. You see, as, as he's walking through this area, he goes from Nazareth, kind of his hometown, and he goes to the Sea of Galilee, uh, a small little fishing town called Capernaum. And there, you, you've got the rugged of the rugged people. The, that, it's the blue-collar folk. And as he is, as he is walking this, this path, he is, he, different people are coming to him. It says that even people from Decapolis, and Decapolis is kind of, um, it is, uh, it's kind of the Las Vegas of the Middle East. It's, it's the eastern area, uh, maybe it's the east coast for some of us, uh, but it's kind of the, it's the eastern edge, and it's really kind of the edge of where all those who were not part of Israel they were, they were really kind of on this border. But these people were coming. It, it talked about Syria. This was the very upper part of, of the kingdom. And Galilee itself, it was along a major trade route. So you knew that there were all kinds of people that were traveling through Galilee and all kinds of different ideas and thoughts and religions and philosophies were all coming through there. So Galilee was not Jerusalem. It was not the pristine place. 
So Jesus is bringing all these people and He is proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of God is coming. It's coming. It's on its way. You heard John the Baptist preach, you know, prepare your hearts, prepare the way for one who is greater than me, one who I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's coming. And then Jesus says, you heard him. I'm him. Repent. For the kingdom of God is breaking into your world. And it's starting with me. And it's only going to snowball. It's only going to get bigger and better and more powerful as time goes on. And Jesus is sharing, listen, there's a new ethic. And so what does He do? He starts calling disciples to Him. Peter and Andrew, James and John. After a while, He'll have a full brood of twelve. And He sits, comes up to the mountain. Now, if you read this too quickly, you'll miss something. You'll, you'll go, okay, he's going up on a mountain. That's, that's really nice. Okay, next major theological piece, please. Mountains for the children of Israel were huge. Often, it was even in, uh, on mountains or large hills where worship would take place. A number of tribes would sit on one side. A number of tribes would sit on the other side. And they would worship antiphonally. One would say a phrase or sing a phrase. And another from the other hill would sing a phrase. And beautiful worship would be going on. But when, when they really think of mountains, they think of a certain person. And this was Moses. When Moses went up on the hill, the Mount, Mount Sinai, he went up. And did what? He received the, uh, the law, the Ten Commandments. He went up on the hill, uh, on the mountain, and he, he went through the clouded area, and he was almost face to face with God. And when he came down, there was just this glow about him, and he was carrying the Ten Commandments once, got a little ticked off, threw them down, broke them, had to go back up again and get another one. And he was sharing the law and saying, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not this. You shall not this. You shall not this. And he was bringing the law down from God and God saying, listen, if, if we are a kingdom, a group, a family, a people together, this is how you live. You shall have no other gods before me. Not one. No graven images. No others. Any things in your mind. You shall not murder, you shall not covet, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not... And this is how we live together. And so when Jesus goes up on the mountain and He sits down, His disciples come together and He speaks. And He taught with authority. Jesus spoke. And that's where we're going to pick it up next week. But for this week, we have got to remember Advent. We have got to remember the Gospel of Mark. Because if we don't remember the Advent, the Christ who came for the sake of humanity, 
we, if we don't remember the good news, the story, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this sermon on the mount becomes nothing but a handbook for dummies. It just becomes another thing. If we just try to apply this and just say, you know, apart from Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, oh, let's talk about divorce. Whoever divorces of him, his wife, let him do... Huh, okay, that's good. Uh, salt and light. Okay, that's good. Yeah, anger. Oh, yeah, I've got anger issues. I'm going to apply this. But if you try to apply this without Jesus Christ... hopeless. It's empty. It's hopeless and empty. Much like living life without Christ is hopeless and empty. It was Sinclair Ferguson. Could you pull that up for me, Steve? Sinclair Ferguson said this. This teaching will change us only when we submit to the sovereign and gracious reign of the one who preaches it. For the Sermon on the Mount enshrines in its teachings the authority and lordship of Jesus. And that's true with every area of our life. We can try try to um, practice good habits and try to be resolute with these things. But only when we submit to God's sovereign and gracious reign in our lives, in our world, can change take place. You know, there's lots of addictive uh, activities and things that go on, neurosis that go on in our, our culture and in our time. One of the biggest things that is just still running rampant throughout our culture is pornography. And there are just young men, primarily, who struggle with this so deeply. And they try to change this on their own. My conviction, my belief, is that young men need to fully submit their lives to the sovereign and gracious reign of Jesus Christ before true, deep, and meaningful change can happen. Long-lasting change. Change that matters. When we talk about um, relationship issues, if you want a beautiful and rich and powerful, vibrant marriage, you can go to all kinds of seminars. There, there are Christian uh, seminars all over. You can go see a Christian counselor and talk to that Christian counselor all you want. And they're wonderful people and they've got great, good principles. But until you as an individual and you as a couple submit to the gracious and sovereign reign of Jesus Christ, it's not going to be long-lasting or penetrating. And it's not going to be passed on to your children. We, we can keep on going, going on and going on and going on with every kind of issue, anger, hatred, spite, gossip, alcoholism, 
every one of those areas until we, until you submit your life fully to the the sovereign reign of Jesus Christ and the gracious reign of Jesus Christ, we're hopeless. And we're just applying another thing, doing another task, attending another meeting, another counseling session, until we give our lives to the One who created us and to the One who wants to change us deeply in our, in our deepest, inmost places, we will remain hopeless. Now, I'm not saying that it'll be perfect. We're going to have this nice little primrose path and your wife will always be, ah, oh, my husband... It's not going to happen like that, just so you know. There's still sin in this world, and we are still going to struggle. But the thing here is that Jesus is introducing a new kingdom. He's saying, listen, this world is about power and strength, and I'm going to tell you something different. It's about humility and weakness. Because when you are at your weakest, that is when I am my most strong. Because you are relying on me instead of yourself and your talents and your gifts and your strengths, your masculinity, your femininity. I said it. Feminine. Fem, what I said the first time. You're, you're not relying on that anymore, but you're relying on Jesus Christ and His accomplished work in your life. Verse 17 of chapter 4. is essentially where we have to start, though. Jesus came and His message was, repent. Repent. And in the Greek, that word is not just a, hey, I'm sorry, I screwed up. A repent is going one direction and doing a 180. It's a turning around. And Jesus is saying, don't just kind of change your direction or your course and say, oh, I'm sorry, honey, or I'm sorry, people. Oh, man, I struggle with this. Jesus, I'm sorry. It is a going one direction and turning and going the opposite direction and saying, I, I no longer follow that. I'm going in a totally different direction. That way is dead to me. That it, it, I, I've tried it all. And you know what? That way, that way of life, that kingdom of this world, it is sucking me down. So I'm going to go another direction. I will follow closely after the one who has created me. And that means giving up my strength, my hopes, my dreams for the one who is wooing me. It's calling my heart. And I'm going to trust in that one. 
knowing that He was the one who created it. And as in creation, He said, this is good. This is very good. I'm going to trust in the one who created everything perfectly. Hoping that everything will change. Repentance. So in your mind, I want you to think, what is it that you need to turn from and go a different way? And if you can't think of anything, turn to somebody, a friend, a family member. Say, I can't think of anything. They'll whisper something back. Just trust me. That's why I'm up here and my wife's over there. You know, I, I dare not sit next to her because she'll whisper, it's this. It's that. It doesn't even have to be your spouse. It could be your mother-in-law. It could be your best friend. It could be a parent. It could be somebody in this community that say, you know what? You, you, you got some issues of pride. You got some issues of self-reliance. You got intimacy issues. You need to repent of that. But repenting knowing that we're doing it in the sovereign reign of God, His kingdom. And living out the Sermon on the, on the Mount. We need to understand this. Living out the Sermon on the Mount can never be divorced from a right relationship with Jesus. Jesus is it. Living out these, even even as we read through epistles, First uh, uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, as we as we walk through these books and these chapters, maybe your personal devotions, and we cannot divorce Scripture from the one who breathed into it. As we read Scripture, we gotta say, this is. This is God's words. And if I'm looking at this as just a moral outline, it's no more then it's no more different than a, an idiot's guide to Microsoft, an idiot's guide to this, an idiot's guide to that. But these are God's living and breathing words that speak to us today. See, Jesus is going to be, in the upcoming weeks, we're going to see it. He's going to start breaking things down. And He's going to be saying, listen, I am bringing you a new law for a new people on a new mountain by a new Moses. I'm bringing you something totally different that's life-changing. But that only can change when you trust the one who is giving it.
when you can only trust the one who's giving it. What is it that you need to repent of already? Because he hasn't given the sermon. I love it. But he's still calling the people to repent. What is it? I'd love us to break out into little groups of three or four and just say, all right, here it is. I know for some of you, you'll head for the door first chance. But maybe in your your missional communities, that community of people that you know and trust, you can say, you know what? Here is my area. Here is my stuff that I need to trust more fully to God's sovereign reign in my whole life. I need to trust Him with all of this. Because if I don't, I'm just going through the motions, just going through the actions. My hope is that we, like Jesus, will be proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That we will be teaching about the kingdom. And like Jesus, healing every affirmity, every illness that comes to us. You see his list? It, it covers it all. Childhood infirmities, it covers those, probably those, if you're pre, uh, genetically predisposed to this or this or this, coming to Jesus and his healing hand takes care of it. My hope is as we as a church submit more to the reign and rule of Jesus Christ, that we'll become more bold in the proclaiming the good news. That we'll be more precise and compassionate and passionate in our teaching about the kingdom. And that we will participate in the healing of our communities, our families, our lives, our world, as Jesus did. And we will become, as the series is called A City on a Hill that will become a people that is just seen from a distance. Not because of us, but because of the King who is ruling in our lives. That's my hope. That's my dream. So you got another 17 weeks. Buckle down. My challenge, as much as possible, do an 18-week commitment. I know that sounds like a lot. Say, for the next 18 weeks, we are going to listen to this. And we are going to apply it in our marriages. We're going to apply it in our workplaces. We're going to apply it into our social networks. We're going to apply it to our children to other people's children because we're a covenant community for 18 weeks. I wish I could give you a money back guarantee, but I can't. 
But I want to challenge you. Really, apply it. And maybe you need to be like me. This is what I do. These are my sermons. I take notes. I circle things. I underline it. I go buck wild. I get a little bit of harassment because I'm color coded too. Um, a little, little anal, a little obsessive compulsive. But that's all right. You know, that's one thing I got to repent of. Um, but this, the studying of God's word together, looking at what does it mean to live in the kingdom together. How does that apply? Beyond Sunday, on my Monday through Saturday. How does it apply? How do we do this together? How do I apply it alone? But let's try it. Stick to it. If you miss a week, it's podcasted. Hopefully it's being recorded now. Good. But listen to it if you've missed it and dive into it because this is a sermon given for purpose. His people. His kingdom. Breaking into our world. Being salt and light. Let's pray. Guys, it's, our, our, it's my prayer. That we become more and more under Your rule and Your reign here on our earth. Lord, that we trust You more with every aspect of our lives. God, it's my prayer that through this series that even my heart as pastor changes, that I allow more of Your kingdom to break into my life. God, so I repent of the pride in my life of my own self-sufficiency my need for control God I, I repent of my busyness that seems to make me feel more important or in control Yeah, I, I repent of my relational disconnect because of my pride and my need for busyness and control. God, how that affects my marriage, my children, my relationships with friends and family. How that affects the church. God, I repent of harboring pain. And not giving it to you. God, you know all of our hearts and all of our struggles. God, so I pray for that man, that woman, that child this morning who is struggling to release control, whose lives have been holding on tightly to the kingdom of this world while You have been calling them to Your kingdom. God, I pray that 
you may break through in a powerful way yet this morning in that man, woman, or child's life. God, would You do that sweet work of changing a hard heart and making them soft and pliable so that You may do Your work in our lives of healing and restoring and changing and making all things beautiful again. God, so I pray for the husbands, the men here in this church. For the single men. God, may the, Your kingdom break into their lives as they live lives without a spouse yet. God, if You're calling them to a life of being a single man, God, would You do that in a way so that they most honor and glorify You with their work and their relationships and the talk and their finances. God, would You break into the world in a powerful, fresh, and new way. And God, for the married men, God, would You break into their lives. Would You, would you bring to mind the things that they need to repent of? And God, the list, I'm sure, is just long. And God, we, we thank You that You're gracious and You're kind and You're compassionate. For it's even your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. God, for the, the women in our church, the single women, Lord, would you, would you break into their world? May they discover their beauty is found in you. Their identity is found in you first and foremost. And God, may this Sermon on the Mount be a powerful, not just a story or an ethic, but a transforming message of good news. For the married women, God, would this be a, a, a sermon that just changes how they relate with their children and their husbands and their work? For our church. God, may it just rock our world as we together submit to You. To Your rule and reign. To Your rule and reign, Jesus. We give our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Repentance is a critical thing for the life of a believer. And if you've given your life to, to Jesus Christ, submitted your life to their Lordship, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. We'll be partaking in communion where we're going to remember His body that was broken for us, His blood that was poured out for us, so that we can have new life, so that we can have hope. And this is something that we celebrate. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. But we do it with first caution that we examine ourselves, that we do repent and submit our lives to Him again, trusting that He'll make all things new. 
So before you come, would you please examine yourself? Make things right with your Savior and possibly even a brother or sister. If you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to just sit back and watch. Listen. Ask questions. If you need somebody to pray for you, whether you're a believer or you have not yet accepted the work of Jesus Christ, I'll be in the back. I'll be available for you. I'll pray for you. I'll talk with you. We'll talk about what this means. I'll encourage you. That's the work of the body. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took the cup of blessing. And as He poured it out, He said, this is my blood in the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this also in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming my death. You're proclaiming the good news that I've died for you until I come again. Do this all in remembrance of me. Would those who are serving please come forward? This is also a time This is also a time where we give our benevolence. Benevolence is for those in our community who are financially struggling or hurting. We do this regularly by giving a special offering that goes specifically to them. So this is a, an opportunity for you to give back as God has given to you ever so graciously. So come. All things are ready.